You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter. The Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast is presented by Savas Learning Company. This is the first episode of our Keeping Science Real podcast series. I'm here with my colleague, Leon Eikhoff Gentry, K8 Science Marketing Manager at Savas Learning. Leon, who do we have as our special guest today? Well, thanks, Walter. Um, I am thrilled to have Dr. Heather Damian with us today. Uh, Dr. Uh, Damian is an associate professor at the University of Houston College of Education, and she instructs science as inquiry to pre-service teachers. She is the executive director of the University of Houston STEM Center, who oversees K through 16 programs as well as the executive director of the Science and Engineering Fair of Houston. She is a passionate advocate for STEM literacy, and we are super excited to have Dr. Damian join our Savis author team as she shares her expertise in STEM education and tips on starting a STEM fair. Dr. Damian, welcome. And I wanted to ask, may I call you Heather? Please do so. Thank you so much for the invitation. This is an honor and I'm super excited about having this conversation. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. Now, uh, you have been notably and extremely active in Houston, Texas and the surrounding areas with the promotion of STEM education. Obviously, this is somewhat of a passion of yours. And I was wondering when or where did this come about? That's a great question. Absolutely. Well, um, if I could start up maybe at somewhat of the beginning per se, is that I'm one of those particular students that grew up not having the opportunities to really engage in those hands-on, minds-on activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so being um, void of that, um, fast forward to actually my master's degree, of uh, learning how to become a teacher, one of my professors uh, gave me a very simple uh, investigation of a bulb, a battery, and a wire and said, I want you to learn and figure out how to light this light bulb. Well, that may seem so simple and so obvious, right? But to me, it was a really personal experience because in my younger years, that's how my family um, determined how that the battery was actually working. I was a battery tester. <laughs> in that sense. So looking at that, it's like, wait, if, if this is what science is and it's hands-on, I think I might really like that. Of course, it was way before that of uh, when the whole paradigm shift of STEM, knowing what those core main areas of science, technology, engineering, mathematics started, because that was about 2001. Um, but so that passion, though, was a spark Um, And so I started to really love science. And then actually, that's what my doctor's degree was, is the study of how do teachers perceive teaching science as inquiry. Um, And that just evolved really into that of STEM. And then when I um, started to um, actually be a a part of the Science and Engineering Fair of Houston, um, to see the brilliance of our students finding that need and filling the need and utilizing those STEM skills, um, it just really flamed that fire for um, STEM and education and for being able to interact and provide those experiences to all the students that come across my pathway. Awesome. So as a battery tester, I just have to ask this quick question. Did you do the transistor test to the tongue? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just a couple times, but no, not really. <laughs> because I learned, right? You learn through your experience and that's right? actually the best methodology of doing that. <laughs> We do not recommend that at home. <laughs> right, right. No, no. We, we got to be safe. Got to use those safety procedures exactly. in place. So, uh, Heather, we hear often this term uh, science literacy, STEM literacy. How would you define the term STEM literacy? That's wonderful. Well, um, in, in my perspective, I believe that STEM literacy is is much more greater outcome of what STEM education is. You know, um and the science fair, we, we have students that we work with to find that need and fill that need. And the question is, what type of skill sets do our students need to use to be able to identify that and to solve those uh, real world problems um, within industry? And um, we're wanting them to be able to have um, a fulfillment of the knowledge to be a productive citizen, to utilize those particular types of scientific measures um, you know, when you think of literacy, you think of English language arts per se, right? Yeah. Um, right? What does that literacy look like? Well, yes, we all have to learn how to read to be able to do everything else. I'm a full proponent of integration um, with content um, in science. Um, however, for us to be STEM literate means that we have to be knowledgeable about all facets within the science arena. Um, how do we integrate those the the technology how do we integrate the engineering how do we integrate the mathematics um within the science realm um and and so that's what i'm looking at is you know how to how become a, a fully stem literate person it, it takes time um and but however overall it's um one where our students and our um individuals are fully aware they're stem career-minded and they ask questions, making decisions. That's most important of all. Right. So, you know, it's interesting because we do see the shift now from when, uh, before, it, when I was in school, we were learning facts, uh, who created what, right? Right. Um, but now it's more about the doing. It's the skill set to do science and explore more, the steps and strategies so with that said, what, what do you think are some different strategies that teachers can do to build STEM literacy in their, their classroom instruction? I, I think that would be important for, for us to hear. I think that's a great question, too. Um, as we know that right now, our teachers are strapped um, with a lot of administrative constraints just to even to be able to teach because of shortages. So um, I think we have to be very strategic and um, thoughtful in how we assist those particular teachers and implementation of those strategies uh, to build STEM literacy. So what I like to do is, first of all, there's a fear factor in science. We have to look at the elephant in the room, right? Um, Not all teachers are fully in love with science, as I may be. And, And so how do we help those teachers feel comfortable Um, in their zone of proximity to be able to actually teach a science concept to our students. Um, So we have to help kind of baby step them in that direction. And I start by having actually have them do a hands-on activity. (laughs) It's not rocket science in that sense, but it's allowing that leverage for some type of authentic inquiry for students to engage in is very key and crucial 
um, to allowing the students to embrace what that science is and allowing that creativity to move forward. Um, and then you stair step from just, you know, giving a little bit of length of um, from, you know, being very structured within the construct to then giving them that guided and full open inquiry, of course. Um, but it's, it's the interaction of having them utilize 21 century skills. Mm-hmm. What is it, it to be a critical thinker? What is it to be a problem solver? How do we collaborate and how do we communicate with group members? How do we be creative and analyze and question and elaborate um, their ideas, right? Um, And I know that it's a whole different population of students, especially with our students who were initially born because of COVID. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and so looking at what is that mental and health and well-being, I think, are very important components as well that we need to immerse within those conversations, too. Wonderful. And I I agree with you. Not all of us, you know, in the classroom, our strength wasn't necessarily science, but it it incorporated all, you know, maybe a different content area. And I think, you know, what you're saying is very important, you know, integrating those 21st century skills and strategies are, are super important. So I am very, very curious about this, because I I happened to uh, see an interview of you talking about your involvement with the recent and fairly large science and engineering engineering fair that was in Houston, right? Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? That seemed like a huge endeavor. Absolutely. I would love to. Um, So I started this uh, journey in actually 2013 um, when I was the associate director and I would had the honor to work along with Dr. Bonnie J. Dunbar, who's a retired astronaut. And oh. so uh, she actually started the STEM Center at the University of Houston. Um, and so I was working with her for the Science and Engineering Fair. Um, and then she left in 2016, and I was able to fill her shoes, which were pretty big shoes to fill, right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes you have to kind of change your own pair of shoes into the shoes that you fit. <laughs> There you go. I love that. I need to put that on my wall. <laughs> um, so that's what I did. Um, but now I, we have an excellent team. And so what we do is we actually work with students across 23 counties, including our Harris County um, uh, Houston Independent School District, which is the fourth largest school district in the country. And uh, being able to engage our students about scientific research and STEM research and having them go through that process of understanding that the scientific method is just that it's a method. You know, there's so many misconceptions that they think that one has to be completely succinct and dependent upon the other. And and the scientific method is very fluid. Um, But yet we all end up at the same type of, you know, consensus, right? Um, So we have over 500 industry experts that uh, come to uh, the science fair Uh, be able to help mentor and inspire. We have two different types of judges where we have a place award judge and we have a special awarding judge. Special awarding has a little bit more leeway where they provide incentives to students uh, to continue to inspire them for their uh, STEM research. Um, Those students don't necessarily move or advance to state or international fair, but yet it's still an accolade and honor that they have. Uh, and we have phenomenal special awarding agencies. Um, and then we have our students who advance to those state fair 
And then we take 12 students' projects to the International Fair, um, where they compete for up to $5 million in scholarships. Holy moly. So, wow. yeah, it's, you know, it's this is a Super Bowl for these students that it's I call for, for STEM yeah. research. And um, they are able to obtain um, just a, a lifetime of a changing experience. And they can obtain those college scholarships. Um, we've had a student recently who just uh, won first place in her category. She's been with us for three years going to the International Science Fair. Um, in a past history, um, I've been able to engage with a couple of our students who actually won $50,000. Oh, my goodness. Um, so when I say it's life-changing, it is because, and it's a world, it's international. I mean, we have students from all over that come. And um, we're excited because this time it's in Texas in 2023. In Dallas. Yeah, I'll kind of put a little, you know, Texas twist to it, right? Yeah. Um, but so it it really provides um importance. But I, I would be remiss if I did not actually mention that we also work with a nonprofit organization called Kids Lives Matter International, where we bring in students from um, public housing uh, because that's very key. You know, STEM is just not for one type of population. STEM is for all diversities, equitable opportunities, and that's what we provide. And so we'll take our students who maybe have never done science fair project before and place them in a special awarding agency position where they become a judge. We put those white coats on them. We put those clipboards. We train them how to ask those questions. And they guess what? get to go out and actually ask questions of their peers' research. So they're looking through that lens and then they get to award their peers. And then what we do is we come back the second year and provide them the opportunity to actually conduct STEM research now that they've seen it for both sides and they can then be that participant. That's wonderful. Now, what was the name of that nonprofit again? I think It's called Kids Lives International. Oh, cool. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. I'm going to look them up. That's, that's yeah, awesome. they're, they're phenomenal. We work with them um, there and not only here in the Houston area, but we also work with students. And another program that we have is called STEM Zone Saturdays, where we work with students um, across um, the county and also in other lands, such as in Ghana and India um, and in Colombia as well. And so we're able to extend that STEM passion across borders. That's Phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. Well, what if a district was interested in taking on something maybe on a smaller scale? What steps do you recommend they take to get started? Great question. Well, um, we absolutely love to be able to help mentor and engage. Uh, What we do is we offer professional development. In fact, we're having a professional development on the University of Houston campus of a symposium, kind of showcasing all these particular components of how to run a science fair. Um, What are those intricacies of doing so? And, uh, but love for them to contact me, but you know, if they need to do this on their own is to look at our website because we have curriculum for free that we we provide um, for districts that could help with students. And uh, we have those particular um, other district personnel that could help them. You know, they're not alone in this. Um, we want to be a united front to be able to help students uh, be uh, proactive and successful in their academic excellence within STEM. Um, and so, I mean, you know, get, to get started is number one, find a passionate champion on campus 
who wants to be able to be a part of the science fair. That's key, right? Um, you have to have that person who's going to um, help with the ups and the downs and is a great organizer and then be able to identify, you know, start small. And, you know, if, if you're going to start elementary or middle or high school variations of it, um, just, you know, start with one grade level at a time and then you can build up to it overall. That sounds like very doable. And, uh, you know, what I have found uh, working with a variety of STEM professionals is that anyone who's been in a STEM career is very passionate about it and are, are very welcoming with, you know, open arms, embracing, um, helping individuals. So I, I have to say that I really appreciate your, your passion and your drive. And um, thank you so much for all of the information you provided uh, for us today. It was very enlightening. Um, so Dr. Damian, thank you again for joining us here today. Uh, for all your great insights. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. It's, it's such an honor and um, would love always to be able to help out anyone who's interested in STEM because, you know, it's it's not one, it's it's all of us. Um, it, it takes a village truly to be able to raise that child. And yeah. even so in today's society as well. So thank you so much for all of your assistance and, and your passion for STEM too. Oh, thank you. Well, back to you, Walter. That's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to both Leon Eikhoff Gentry and Dr. Heather Dunyan for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. This Keep in Science Real podcast series is presented by Savas Learning Company, a next-generation learning company providing award-winning solutions for grades pre-K through 12. Visit savas.com today to request pre-K through 12 curriculum samples for your school or district. And you can keep the conversation going by following us on social media at Savas Learning with hashtag moving learning forward.